Hello everyone and welcome to Game Devastation. My name is Frost. Today I'm joined with Wildstar composer Jeff Kurtnecker. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Thank hey, you for having me. Hey, dude. Thank you for coming on the show. Robot I'm, high I'm five. Robot high five. Woot <laughs> woot! <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Jeff and I have known each other for about four or five years now. We worked yeah. on the Wild Star for a while. I um, love I loved working with you. Thank you. I loved working with you as it was well. A great time. Um, so, I want to talk about a few things. How you got your start yep. in the industry. Um, you know, really, quite honestly, normally I prepare things for these things. Like mm. I write down questions and I think I ahead. don't believe you. No, it happens. I have the word docs to prove it. All right. Uh, I didn't do that for this because you're here at what time is it? It was <laughs> 12 16 in the AM. Yep. It's a, it's a late night session. I should probably title this episode. Jeff Kurtnacker game devastation after dark. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going to title it, uh, something creepy and weird. Because it is late. But you know what? It's okay, because I'm a night owl. So are you. Hey, You're- man, I appreciated you being available at this at this late hour. Yeah. Uh, I live in Anacrime, California. You were at Downtown Disney. Heck, yes, I was. At some rager, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Mickey Mouse and glow sticks. Weird. Yeah. Um, so it was worked out. I didn't know how long I'd be there, but I really appreciate the... I just said, are you going to be here? You went, Bzz, yes. That I don't was- know why you were texting bees. <laughs> that was just the um i don't i don't know yeah anyway <laughs> yeah so uh do you edit these no okay Mm-mm. yep because that would be professional <laughs> i am in fact professional right. so well, i will um i'll keep it clean all right no need uh so here's the thing let's talk about how you got into the video game industry sure um it goes back a, a little bit um in time but i um when I moved to California, I kind of had my sights set on television and film, but then um, I actually met some people who were working in video games, and I met Jason Hayes. Uh, he was working at Blizzard at the time, and he was getting started on writing music for the cinematics for Warcraft 3. And when I met him, we kind of talked, and I let him hear some of my music, and he brought me on and hired me as a contractor to arrange choir and do a bunch of chart preparation for the um, for the music for the cinematics in Warcraft 3. And that was kind of the first thing I'd ever done in video games. It was super exciting because Blizzard cinematics are awesome. They're epic. Yeah. That's that's quite the first gig. Not many people can say that they worked for Blizzard. Yeah, well, it's up. cemented in my mind. You know, Jason and I became um, really good friends, but it, it's cemented in my head that this idea of, like, who you know will open up opportunities for you and then what you know will keep you there and so and it's really true like every opportunity i've had has come from a relationship with someone someone had too much work or they recommended me to someone or whatever it was and this is this was the first real real world case where i saw that play out in the entertainment industry where i met jason we became friends he um had something that he thought i could do and help him with and I came in there, I helped them, I did a good job, and they brought me back to work on World of Warcraft as a contractor, and I did some arranging and um, copy work, which is what they call it when you arrange all the parts and scores for the orchestra sessions, and I did that for him, and um, then that was kind of it, and then after that I started meeting more and more people who were um, 
who were in the video game business and more and more opportunities came and I started writing and freelancing and um, it kind of built up from there. And then actually it came full circle when um, Jason was the audio director at Carbine when they first started and um, he brought me on as a sound designer and that's how I got started at Carbine. And so, then well, in between there though, you worked on Pirates of the Burning Sea, right? Yeah, so Pirates of the Burning Sea um, was from Flying Lab, and it was the first real sort of meaty game that I got to work on. I had done some kind of um, more casual you know, game kind of things, and um, mobile games hadn't really taken off yet, but it was sort of like a little bit more of the downloadable PC kind of casual games I had done. And um, Pirates of the Burning Sea was something where... Again, um, someone I knew needed help, and so we tag-teamed it, myself and a composer named Adam Gubman, and uh, we were kind of co-lead composers, and we split up the work, and it was a lot of fun, but that was that was the first time I was like credited as like a lead composer, and we I really got to sink my teeth into it, and that was a lot of fun, and I got to sort of prove myself in a way that I could write um, you know, sustainable game music. And then uh, after that, I went to a place called Somatone, and um, I got to work on a ton of more casual games and downloadable mobile games and um, and just got to write a variety of music for different, uh, different games. And that was eye-opening because a lot of the games I didn't even know existed, right? There's so many downloadable, casual, mobile games, and... Um, they just kept coming. Like every week I'd be working on two or three games and two or three games. And it was just like waves and waves of these games. I'm like, well, at some point people probably are going to stop making these games. And they just kept coming and they were fun and they were, you know, they all had different themes. They all needed different music. So um, it was a real challenge. One week I'd be working on like Calypso music and the next week I'd be working on like haunted house music. And then the next week it was Latin jazz and I was all over the place and I actually enjoyed the challenge. Yeah, I was going to say that that must be kind of rough if you're you're just kind of going from thing to thing and you have to change from genre to genre. That must've been kind of difficult, right? Yeah, it was, um, it was really difficult, but looking back at it, um, it was something that I felt like really, um, helped me as a composer sort of expand my palette. You know, um, it would be if as an actor, it would be like asking an actor to do comedy and then drama and then, you know, do, you know, like a slasher film and just sort of this crazy range of things that an actor might not normally do, but you have to, someone asks you to do it, you better learn and figure out how to do it. So, um, someone would, one week it'd be like, Hey, we need you to sound like Danny Elfman. Well, I need to figure out how to sound like Danny Elfman next week. Hey, we need this to sound like John Williams. Hey, we need this to sound like whatever. And if, and sometimes it was pretty straightforward and sometimes it was really abstract. And so then you have to figure out, well, what does Latin fusion Asian music sound like and how do I, in, you know, how do I write that? And then I learn a lot by figuring that out and I kind of just keep all those tools in the toolkit. And ultimately on every game I've worked on, not only has the, the speed, um, I'm not going to say I'm a prolific writer, but I feel like I write pretty fast because I've kind of honed the process of getting ideas down. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but um, with Wildstar, I was able to chew through a lot of material, and I think because of kind of the habits I've gotten into with 
breezing through so much of that casual game music, um, I kind of got a, a good workflow down. So before we start getting into Wildstar stuff, I actually want to touch on something that you brought up where you kind of said, I know how to generate the ideas or, or the process of yeah. getting this stuff in. What is What does that entail for you? How do you come up with this stuff? I, I know that like ideas are sort of this subjective thing right it's, it's hard out to there click. man it's out there Look, man the it just comes to me you know yeah, what I'm man. Saying? i just go i go and i watch the waves come in on the beach and like i know what to do with my life <laughs> no it's not it is that, i was gonna say that's probably not it. that's, that's the, the 12 30 in the morning answer that's hey it's still a solid answer <laughs> so well i mean but seriously how do, you, how do you come up with this stuff um i think part of it is i don't know if it's genetic or you know spirits like like my soul um i think feels a need to express itself in a certain way. So I, th- I do think that a good portion of that is my desire to express myself musically. And um, that just happened for, for ever since I was a kid. But um, so part of it is that. And part of it is um, figuring out ways to tap into your emotions that you don't necessarily feel and on a certain day, right? So if I go into work and I have to write a, a cue that feels very, you know, adventurous and arousing kind of space adventure or arousing, you know, epic fantasy adventure, but I feel super sleepy and tired and not feeling too well, um, it's difficult, but I have to tap into those emotions. And I think for me, the process really starts when I need to kind of catch a glimpse or catch a feeling of what story do I need to tell here? And so once I kind of figure out what story I need to tell musically, then it becomes um, kind of a building blocks, like a Lego set of going, okay, well, if I want to tell this particular story, I'm going to need these elements, or I feel like I should use these elements. And then I start kind of building them together. Um, It's kind of maybe a pedestrian sort of answer, but um, a lot of the creativity actually comes through um, me sitting at the piano with a pad and paper and kind of writing down, sometimes I write down like just single words of what do I want to feel, right? So the story I want to tell right now with music, what are kind of the emotional touchstones that I want to get across? And then I uh, write some of those words down and I start playing some chords and some melody that try to get that across and, um, and sometimes it happens really fast and sometimes it's more of a process of like trying to pull a thread out of you know myself in a way where I'm just pulling and pulling and sometimes then I get a spark and I kind of follow it so I just saw this thing and it's kind of weird I don't want to tell you anyway I just did you ever watch Twin Peaks when it was out no but I love David Lynch but I've never seen Okay, so the, the composer, I think it's like Bandoladini or Bandoladini. Yeah, Angelo or Bandoladini. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, I just watched this thing where he was talking about how he came up with the theme for Laura Palmer uh-huh. and how uh, Lynch was ta- like kind of telling him, he's like, I want you to think about this person from this, you know, kind of dark yeah. place. And it's just this, you know, haunting image of this young girl who's trying to reach out and he just started kind of playing. It's really cool, kind of inspiring stuff. Yeah. Is, is that is that helpful when you're coming up with stuff for games for somebody to kind of come in and be like telling you about Laura Palmer <laughs> yeah. or, or games right in, in this situation? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely helpful. Again, it's, it's really, it's so different for me as a composer. If I have to write something that's like a concert piece of music where someone just says, 
uh, write me a piece of music, we'll play it at a concert, and I can kind of do whatever I want. That's a really different problem to solve than someone coming in my office and going, um, listen, this is the situation, this is the story, this is the narrative that we need you to tell musically, um, and so here it is, A, B, C, D, go tell that story. And I feel like with that direction, um, it, it, that is a different challenge. And I actually like that challenge a lot, which is why I think I'm drawn to, you know, film music and video game music and television music because it's a supporting role to whatever the narrative is happening. And so, um, that you know, I, I'll say this too. You know, like uh, so, I've been part of the video game industry for a long time. Yeah, and. Uh, every time that you work on a game or you work on a piece of creative me- you know, media in any sort of way, when you don't have the music there, you just kind of get used to it. Like it's just, it's sure. there. But then when you add it, it just bumps it up just a ridiculous amount. And it's stupid because like, I should know this, right? That this happens all the time and that that's how it is. But, and it's crazy. And I think the average person doesn't even really get to know that, how much that really adds to it because it's just, it's already there. But I think when you're part of that process, it really does add this like big uh, storytelling component to it. So I'd like to think that it helps a lot, mainly because it's what I do. But I, I agree. I think um, kind of the downside of it is if you do it really well, right? If you do music that plays a supporting role, if you do it really well, you generally don't know that it's happening you know what i mean like it's sort of like um it's sort of like watching an actor who's amazing you sort of lose perspective that that person is acting and you just are along for the ride in watching them do their thing and i think music and video games is the same way if it's done really well the average person may not even notice that it's enhancing it because they're just they're just sort of wrapped up in the story and everything that's going on but they will notice if it's done really bad or if it doesn't fit, or if it's just sort of not a quite a good connection to the story or to the action on the in the game, then they'll notice. So people tend to notice when it's bad, and but they don't tend to notice maybe as much when it's good. But you're right, when it's not there, I think you miss that gravity and that weight. And I think that music and audio in general sort of anchors the story and just brings it to life in a way that maybe most people don't necessarily realize consciously but when it's not there you kind of feel like well this is weird but like i said you can get used to it without audio but it definitely plays an important role actually i remember when we were at the carbines and uh, i was recording some dev speaks for a while oh actually originally we were supposed to have music on those and then for a while we just didn't have them because uh somebody had kind of come in and said like well the music that you have here doesn't match the vibe, yeah. so don't I'm, do it. I remember that day. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I'd spent like how many, uh, you know, a, a considerable amount of time coming up with the music, and then everyone was, was excited. Yeah, it was like it was jazzy. Like, yeah, it was. It was, but it was smooth jazz. You, you know, know, it's interesting. Uh, we didn't have to waste it though. Uh, a little bit of trivia for those who play the game is that uh, that music from the Dev Speak or the original pitch for the Dev Speak. Um, it went. I think it was like. The housing. I don't know what the first dev speak was, but the original pitch for the music that never got used is now the taxi music in the oh. uh, in the game. So when you ride the taxi and he kind of dials in the radio station, we got to use the music there. Hey, waste not, want not. You know, 
That's Benjamin Franklin, I believe. Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't. <laughs> I'm going to give him credit because he's rad. <laughs> he is a rad dude. Yeah. I'm a big fan. My uh, phone is vibrating and I apologize. Hey, you know what? So no gonna, need because it's after midnight. I'm going to put the moon on. Do not disturb. Oh, good. Uh, so, all right. Benjamin Franklin threw me off there for a minute. Yeah, so. I apologize. No, that's all right. So, because um, you can edit it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not gonna. That was the thing. I, I will just post this raw. <laughs> this is bad. I think it's better. Um, so, all right, you're at Carbine. Yep. You're hired originally as a sound designer. That is true. Okay, so you come in, and let's talk about being a sound designer for a little bit, um, because I find that to be fascinating as well. When you were there, what were the things that you were working on specifically as a sound designer? Um, well, the when I was a sound designer, the game was very differently, very different inception of itself than what it is now. Um, so it's like pre, pre, pre Wildstar. So, um, but some of the things I got to do, I got to do a few props. I did the first sort of um, iteration of the Protostar, all their little. Um, machinery and i think everything i did got ripped out but it was pretty cool like i did a bobby mcferrin style for everything because all their machinery had this cool kind of bend and wonk kind of feel and it was um uh, it wasn't even my first band in college by the way bend and wonk bend and wonk yeah, yeah. it was um uh, we did some kind of i don't I mean i won't, I won't talk about it but it's pretty pretty great music i'll bet yeah um <laughs> so there's uh uh, but they really had this really kind of cool animations, and I felt like they should have their own personality. So um, I wanted something that was organic but quirky, so I did everything just with my mouth on a microphone, kind of doing all the different layers of these sounds, Bobby McFerrin style. And I thought it was kind of cool, but apparently um, somewhere down the line, someone else disagreed with my original opinion that it was cool, and they all took it out. But I did the lute sound, which I'm... I still think it's actually really satisfying. So when you vacuum loot something and it, you get this kind of like sparkly gold thing that explodes in your chest and it makes this like kind of blingy sound. Um, I did that. I did some ambiences, um, some UI sounds. So I was kind of just doing a little bit of everything because at the time um, I was it was just me and one other sound designer and we were just doing a lot of blue sky spell kind of things. Um, so it was a lot of fun, but... It was it was a challenge for me. <clears throat> the approach was actually very similar to music because you look at an animation of a prop or a creature and um, you want to, again, tell that story or that narrative of whatever that thing is doing and you look at the different layers and, well, what source material can I use to to do that? In fact, in Galarus, um, the big windmills in Galarus, I did those. And, of course... Where are you going to record a massive windmill that looks like it's, you know, like from Holland? You you could go to Holland. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure they weren't going to pay for that. So yeah, Probably. <laughs> um, so actually, I, I had a real difficult time finding something that would work until um, what I did was I took um, the sound of a, you know, those hand-cranked coffee mills? Hmm. So I took the sound of the hand-cranked coffee mills with the beans, and it kind of had this grindy, kind of organically gurgly sound to it. And I've slowed it way down, and then I put this big rumble underneath it to give it the gravity, because these things are massive windmills. So you kind of get this crunchy, 
gurgly, creaky sound from the wind from the coffee grinder, and then um, kind of had this rumble um, to give it the weight. And I thought it turned out pretty good. And actually, it's still in the game that way. So that's kind of how you know an example of how I would approach that is going well. I need this sort of feeling. I want to hear a little bit of crunchiness because it's old and it creaks. Um, and I want to hear a little bit of this kind of organic-y wood sound. But I also need to have a big low rumble. And you kind of start pulling in pieces that have an emotional context to them. right? This rumble makes you feel like something is larger than yourself. And it puts it, puts it into perspective for the player. If it doesn't sound big, it doesn't really seem big in the game right if something's 10 times your size but sounds exactly the same weight as you are it's not really believable sure so um yeah it was fun so uh i'm gonna tell a story okay uh recant it uh and it you can correct me if i'm wrong on any of this so uh jason hayes was uh the composer on wild star for a while yep uh, he's the one that brought you on. Yes. He then got a job at Little Company. I think they're called Valve. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard of them. I can't remember. Uh, I guess they're a company. They're called, is that called Valve? Uh, Valve. I something. thought it was called Twisty Knob. Yeah. Twisty Knob probably didn't sound as good on, on paper. <laughs> yeah. No, Valve is, anyway, a, something like Valve is a big deal. Random ass company from Seattle. So anyway, he, he goes up there. Yeah. Works on Dota 2. Uh, and... There's this spot open for the composer. Yep. And I remember talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that very well. Uh, And this was when we were working on the Blur cinematic trailer. And so there was was this thing where we were working with Blur and they they were going, okay, well, we need to get this stuff rolling because we've got, they had the VO recorded already. They had a lot of the cinematic done. Yeah. But they just didn't, they didn't have music. And so... Uh, I remember talking to you, and you you'd kind of said, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in doing the composer thing, and uh, you know, you you didn't seem like amped, but you seemed like you were interested. And the thing that I found uh, interesting about it was, uh, you went home after the weekend. It was like Friday or something. Yeah. And you just did something for Algarok on the weekend, and you came back, and everybody was floored. And I think it's because nobody really heard your stuff before. And, yeah, and I can't I can't tell you how many times people normally in a situation like that uh, aren't stellar, right? <laughs> and I mean that in like the nicest way, but they are sometimes you know people are like, oh, I'd, I want to be the composer, and you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I can't wait to hear it. I'm sure it's just going to be like whatever because yeah. you're just an average sound dude or whatever. But you came back in and it was just it knocked everybody out. It was like this is actually really good. And so we we started doing the, you we basically said you should do the blur trailer right. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean that was a crazy a transition for me, and I I mean I was excited. It was it was a big. I don't know. I guess maybe I didn't come across as super amp because I was trying to maybe mask a lot of insecurities. Like I didn't want to put myself out there as like you guys have no idea what I'm capable of. And then I go home and I come back after the weekend and I'm like. Ding, 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 ding. And <laughs> so, you guys are like, oh, what? Right. Well, so I, what, what is funny to me was you came back, you played it, and I'm like, this is good. And this isn't even good because I'm just trying to be a nice guy and not hurt your feelings. Like, this is actually good. And and I remember pulling in uh, Gaffney and, and Chad yeah. and Mikarski and all these other guys and going like, guys, you should, this is good, right? And everybody's like, wow, this is really good. 
And so I, I go in, in into your office and, and I said, man, this is, this is great. I think you should really just do composing stuff and uh, you could go really far with this. This is great, man. You're like, yeah, well, that's great. I don't really know you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, okay. To be fair, uh, I, we, I didn't know you that well. That's um, true. <laughs> That's true. You didn't know me well at all. Uh, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate that. I don't know you that well, so uh, you can go ahead and leave now. Uh, I don't know if it was that as rude. You didn't as, say go. You as can go ahead and leave that. now, but you you did kind of give the vibe. You were like, look, I I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. You know it was this. Yeah, thing. you were super encouraging, and I was like, well, I don't know how to take that because I don't really know you that well. Right. And I I, I don't know. I didn't mean to sound like a, a jerk, but. Well, you um, failed. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. I remember walking down the hall. Uh, I remember a lot about that whole transition. Um, but so, yeah, right. There's a, there's a vacancy. There's a void in the in the, in the department. We don't have a composer because Jason had gone to Valve. And so now, which was perfect timing because I was actually getting a little bit tired of sound design. I loved I loved it, but I was my my soul and my my heart is in writing music, and I really wanted to do that. And so. All of a sudden, this whole transition thing's happened, and I'm like, I'd like to give it a shot. And a couple things were all happening right at that moment. Um, so they need a composer. The Blur trailer was happening, and the game really, really started to take a decidedly more sci-fi turn at that moment. It was, I'm not saying it wasn't sci-fi before, but I felt like we embraced the sci-fi-ness of what Wildstar was right around then as we started to get into Algarok and we started to get into some of these other zones it wasn't as fantasy oriented where i felt like before we were trying to keep a foot in both camps and then there were it got to the point where it was like nah screw it let's just let's embrace the sci-fi-ness of it all and you know kind of this space frontier western feeling so i remember you had um i said i wanted to give it a shot and i remember um one of the senior you know, executive producer people at the time was like, I didn't even know you wrote music. And I said, well, I do. And I'd like to I'd like to show you this idea that I have that I think could work really well for this sort of like frontier space sci-fi thing. And um, he was, you know, he was like, okay. And then you and I talked and you said, listen, why don't you go home, take the weekend, write something for Algarok and kind of show us what you could do. Because that was a zone that was kind of coming up, right? And so that's exactly what you said. And so I went home and um, I spent the weekend and I wrote um, the first thing I ever wrote for the game and it was the Q uh, Justice Doesn't Always Wear a Badge, which became the Algarok theme. And um, I remember it was, it's this combination of acoustic guitar and this kind of, a little bit of orchestra and some synthesizers and it kind of had this really sort of vibey western frontier space which is I kind of wanted to hit all those channels and I felt like I was able to do that um, probably the, the most surprising thing was to have it turn out the way it did in two days right that was I spent a lot of time on it because I really wanted to come back and and wow people because I felt like this could be well, it was a composition too. It wasn't even like just a melody on a guitar. Like, oh, this is what I wanted to kind of sound like. It it had everything. Yeah, I I, I spent I, I mocked it all up in in my computer at home, and um, like I had I was playing some guitar parts and I programmed the strings and programmed a bunch of percussion and synthesizers and um, 
I really wanted to give this representation because it's one thing for me to go to people who don't always speak the language of music and it's one thing for me to say, well now, okay, I'm going to play this on piano, but I want you to imagine that it's guitars and that there's some strings and that there's kind of a, a cool synth thing going, and then like, I can try to say that, but not everyone is going to catch that vibe and they're not going to catch that vision. And so it's much better for me to sort of mock it up and, and sort of um, get it to a point where I can show people and say, this is kind of what I mean, and have it more fully represented than just me sitting on a piano go, now imagine this. And just to be clear, and everybody that's listening, if it, this example is great for anybody that's in the creative medium because if you can always say what your ideas are. Uh, and everybody, the thing is, everybody has ideas. Everybody has good ideas too. The, the th- where the rubber meets the road is: can you actually do these things? Yeah, I, I'm I'm fully convinced that um, I've I've seen it so many times where people will play something on piano or they'll sing something, and I'm like, yeah, it's really cool, and they can't they can't like bring that idea to fruition. They can't fully execute and deliver on their vision for it, and we live in such a different time now that artistically um, the person, whatever art, whatever creative discipline you're in, I don't think it's good enough anymore. It's maybe unfortunate in some ways, but I don't think it's good enough anymore just to have the idea and sort of get it started. I think we live in a world now where people need you to have the idea, come up with a plan and execute it and then present it back to them in a fully realized vision. Right? So for music, there was a day when you sit at a piano, you write a melody, and you give it to someone else, and they go and they make it for orchestra, and they orchestrate it, and then. Um, but the composer's job was just sitting at a piano all day, putting notes on a page. Well, now that's no longer good enough. Now we we have to come up with the melody and the chords, and then not only do we write it, we program it in the computer. We have to mix it. We have to kind of do all wear all the hats of the production process as one person now, and in order to sort of fully realize an idea to the director or the producer, whoever's in charge. And it's good and bad. It's it's good. There's a lot less misconceptions, um, but it is a lot more work. And so you spend half of your time writing and half of your time battling technology to sort of make your ideas come to fruition. Um, but every step of that process is really crucial because a great piece of music can get totally destroyed in a horrible mix or using samples that, um, you know, like by samples, I mean instrument libraries on the computer brass or strings and if they just don't sound very good your ideas kind of get lost in translation and um so but the the cool thing about that justice doesn't always wear a badge wear a badge um, track is that uh what you hear in the game right now is the exact same cue that i wrote that weekend the only difference is we replaced my fake orchestra from my computer with the live orchestra and but everything else is exactly the same it's still my breath on the microphone going which is kind of this like riser thing I put in there. I didn't I didn't know what to do, so I knew I needed something. So I just breathed into a microphone. That's still in there. All my guitar playing is still in there. Um, it's not very good, but it works. And so all the components that were originally there are still there, and the cue is exactly how I imagined it in the beginning. Um, so, and then we went to the Blur trailer, and it was like they were actually going to farm out that music to someone else, and. You and Matt McCarsky and um, maybe a couple other people, but you and Matt McCarsky, the art director, were really the ones that said, well, Jeff has kind of come up with this 
style that you guys felt, and I'm super grateful for, but you guys felt that would somehow defined Wildstar and was uniquely tied to our game in such a short amount of time that um, you guys applied some pressure and were able to convince them to not farm the music out and let me do the music for the trailer. And that was probably the beginning of the end. Um, that was where, in a good way, right? That's That's where I got to write something. We really took it to full orchestra and did that piece of music and um that for me was a chance to prove to myself that I could go through this process and I could write and conduct and compose and orchestrate and make good decisions every step of the way to get a piece of music done so for me after we did that cue and we did that trailer I was able to I don't know sort of patch up some holes of insecurity in my own life and and sort of move on from there. You got sad music, like Coldplay or something to play under there like, I, during that time? I will never play Coldplay over <laughs> anything. Just just let everybody know. Okay. That's never going to happen. Well, I'm just saying. Well, um, yeah, maybe I'll put, I'll, I'll probably put that music over this if, I, if I'm feeling plucky. The Coldplay music? No. The, <laughs> your music. Yeah. So that... Like when you were doing that, if oh, yeah. I put that in there, perfect. That would be cool. That's gold. Uh, that's effort, though. We'll see if I do it. Yeah, it sounds like uh, a lot of work. <laughs> this is a downloading music and put it on here. Somewhere there's probably a link to maybe a SoundCloud or a website. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, who knows? So, the, the, the other funny thing is um, the way that you had to put the music over the blur stuff was, was kind of a pain. Um, so uh, to everybody out there, when you see a trailer or a movie or, um, stuff like that, typically the scenes are done and you put the music over the stuff that's done. Yeah. Right. Cause typically music is the last thing that kind of gets put in creatively so that it can enhance those scenes. So they become more dramatic or more, you know, fanciful or whatever. Yeah, and plus there's a, right um, not only in animation but in anything that is being edited, you don't want to be chasing your own tail as they're editing and changing timing, right? Then as they change timing and frames in the edit, then your music gets shifted, and now what? Well, so you told me a really funny story about meeting with the guys at Blur when they said well, we said okay, Kurt Nagger is going to be the guy in this, and they said all right, well that's fine, and like one of the guys shook your hand kind of said like i will fuck you and and it was and it was not literally because that'd be weird but no he said it because he, he's gonna change around the timing right yeah. so this is the this is the difficult thing at least he, he was honest about no it. no it wasn't meant to be like i hate your guts no no he it, was he was just saying like i'm gonna make your life miserable because he has to do his job right and and the way that these creative mediums work and this is a lot of people are like, why can't games get done on time? Or why can't they get, do things? It's, it's because there's constant mind changing about how to make something good. And especially with movies and things like that, um, you know, they're going to work up until their deadline. And there's also a deadline of publishing the thing and getting it recorded and going out and getting musicians for everything. So Kurt Nacker had to kind of write this stuff as it was sort of getting finalized. And sometimes they would change a scene by a second. Yeah. But that second means that your music cue is going to be off by a second. Yeah, so if that transition, you know, was on a, a certain beat and I had it all timed out perfectly and all of a sudden a week later I get a new cut of the trailer which has all the cool new shots in it, 
but they changed the timing, and now that one second earlier, now my music seems late after that transition, and now you just have to play with tempos. And the weird thing about writing music for you know any sort of visual media is um, tempos can be anything. Like normally we think of tempos as tempos, you know, speed of music as like whole round integers of like 78 beats per minute or 122 beats per minute and i'm using like 64.892 beats per minute you know i'm finding like fractions of a beat per minute so i'm not changing the bars of music that i'm writing sometimes i had to if it was a drastic cut but if if you're talking about frames sometimes you can get away with just nudging that tempo up or down by fractions of a beat um, so that over you know a minute and a half, now it all kind of lines up again. And sometimes it's creating a tempo map that is, okay, well, this needs to be the same because the first 10 seconds lock in spectacularly. But after those 10 seconds, it starts to really drift because they made a weird edit. And then you start having to change, play with tempos. But it can't be perceptible, right? You can't have a perceived tempo change where you don't want it. So it has to be, again, fractions of a, a second. Everything good? Everything's good. I'm look. Uh, I looked at my phone, yeah. and it's not because I'm bored. No, it, it's it because is you're bored. no. It's I mean slightly because I'm bored. But yeah. basically, what I'm doing is I'm going to look at some community questions. Oh, okay. That's what that is. I'm looking at the twitters. Are people still f- tweeting those in? Yeah. So I was. Are you uh, going to do this now? Are yeah, because I, when I found out that you were going to come here in the after hours, I thought, oh man, I'll hit up some people because normally I give like days notice. You know, like I'll I'll give you know 24 hours at least yeah. to get the. Well, I kind of action. To be fair, I sort of barged my way into this podcast because you put out in uh a tweet to say hey who uh you know if you guys know of anyone that's you'd love to be on the my podcast please tweet me and i'll get them and i tweeted you and i said okay twist my arm yeah from no prompting of anyone so i twisted uh, the shit out of your arm (laughs) i just barged (laughs) in and not only that then i said can we do this at midnight yeah and you're, uh, you've been very accommodating. If you want to do this on Christmas, that's cool too. Yeah. You know, when <laughs> my family's over here. Yeah. That's Every- cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Hey, so this one is from Rabid. Uh, what kind of game do you think would be made solely based off of the weirdest piece of music you have created? It's uh, um, a very difficult question on many levels. Because first now I have to go and think of... I have to take the last part first, right? What's the right. weirdest piece of music I've ever created? Sure. And from there, I have to then go to the next part. Yeah. Um, I can help you out with it if you need it. What's, what do you think is the weirdest piece of music? Well, I don't know if the weirdest piece of music. I can help you out with the game coming up part. Oh, okay. So yeah. the weirdest piece of music, I don't know. Weird is such a vague term, right? I mean, weird in the sense it's like disjointed or it's weird. It's quirky. I mean, if it's weird in the sense of quirky, probably the quirkiest piece of music I've written is a, it's a toss-up for me between... If we're talking solely Wildstar, which I don't know if we are. Again, it's a whole other question. But in Wildstar, the quirkiest piece of music is a toss-up between the Chua theme um, and the Protostar theme. Yeah, I can see that. So they're both they're both really fun, quirky, um, just kind of I don't know, kind of really fun to write. So I don't know what kind of game. I feel like the Protostar game would be almost like, or not the Protostar, but the Protostar theme would probably inspire some sort of Jetson-esque kind of Yeah, feeling. you'd need jetpacks that sound like... Yeah, 
That's for it. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that would go really well with it. And something going, roar, roar. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do a good Astro, otherwise I'd yeah, do it. Yeah, I can't it. either. If there Does was Astro a... say roar, roar, or is that Scooby-Doo? That, that's the thing. They sound similar. Like, Scooby, I could do. That's wrong. Yeah. You know, that one I could, that one's doable. But they sound a little bit different. But they both have the same, like, <laughs> You know what? And then and the, we should do, um, right after this podcast is done, yeah. we should do another one where I ask you about being a voice actor. Well, I haven't done it in a bit. You know, you should do, or you should do, you should just do a podcast where you interview yourself, but in different voices about, so it sounds like you're having a discussion right. with yeah. a bunch of people. Sure. Be awkward. No, it'd be great. I, I'd, I'd ask listen myself. To the, I'd listen to the crap out of that thing. All right. I'll work on it. All right. No, I won't. <laughs> but that's a good idea, but I won't. Um, all right. This one's from uh, Druid's Fire. Have you ever been moved to tears when listening to something you wrote? Um, I don't know if I've ever cried in my life. Yeah, because you're, you're a macho man. I am a man. <laughs> and... Uh, um, you cried when I opened the door tonight, so let's let's true. be real. Yeah, you're like, oh, I haven't seen you in yeah. at least two months. I was fearful that I might get a parking ticket, is why I was crying. Yeah, I had a little misty eye. Don't worry uh, about it. You're fine. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have been emotionally. Um, I've definitely been emotionally sort of jarred during recording sessions. Um, the first time it happened, where I remember just being like completely taken out of reality was um, when we recorded the character creation theme for Wildstar. Now, the character creation theme, just a quick in and of itself background, is um, I sort of locked myself in my office for a week and I, I told our audio director, Charlie Linus, um, who's a good friend of mine, I said, listen, I kind of have an idea for character creation and I don't play a whole lot of MMOs. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, uh, I know that character creation is a big deal for a lot of people, right? If the people that are going to click random and take whatever they get, um, then the character creation music doesn't really matter that much. But the people who are going to spend 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour and a half creating their character, I know that music is a big deal. And so I wanted to do something that was really cool and kind of really gave me a chance to, I don't know, um, give them something worth listening to. And so the, what I did was I created a seven-minute piece of music that would loop. But in those seven minutes, I really tried to give kind of an ambient feel but have these real epic moments where it felt like the, the adventure was about to begin. And I was really happy with what happened. When we recorded it, um, we recorded at Sony Studios, at the scoring stage at Sony Studios, which is like a dream come true for me because that that was the only recording session we had at Sony, but um, never in my life did I think we'd get to Sony, that I would ever record at Sony. It's just such a, a historic room. So we're recording at Sony Studios, and we're recording the character creation music, and I'm conducting... And we get to the part where um, they play what I'm, what I kind of use as the Nexus theme. It's this da 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 da, and it kind of goes on, right? And the strings take that melody and they just really get, they sweep up with it, and it's kind of this emotional moment. And I remember just I kind of just stopped conducting, and I was, I felt like weightless, and I, I just got real caught up in what was happening in that room, and I got chills, and I remember thinking like, this is so cool that I'm hearing this all come to life with such passion and like masterful musicianship. Um, and so I remember kind of just being a little bit jarred there. And then 
um, the when we recorded everything else we recorded at Eastwood Scoring Stage at Warner Brothers, which again, dream come true stuff. And we're at Eastwood, and we're recording uh, Drusera's theme for Wildstar. Um, and I wrote Drusera's theme with um, a lot of my own feelings towards my own daughter. Um, and she's five. She's almost six years old. But Drusera is just such an interesting character in the game and in the lore. And I really wanted to give her a sense of innocence and a sense of, um, I don't know, just this longing to be free and this longing to be um, uh, kind of this carefree child that sh she was, you know, in the nursery stages and of the game. And so when we recorded her particular theme, um, I was like floored and I was really kind of wrecked emotionally after that because um, they did such a great job bringing it to life. But as they're playing it, I'm thinking about my daughter. Just so many emotions surfaced from the actual writing of the cue that um, I remember I just kind of stepped off the podium after conducting it and I felt like we should take a break for a little bit and um, kind of regather myself. I didn't cry, but I was, I was kind of just shaken up a little bit because it was powerful. Very cool stuff. So, <laughs> and then uh, it's one time. Uh, right. Don't you, don't you do that? Okay. Uh, and to go from that beautiful um, reenactment of what you went through uh, from the question from Agent Nards. <laughs> yeah, I like it already. Uh, he, I think we already went over this actually. Uh, for cutscenes, movies, do you write the music to fit the animation, or reverse, or both, or what is the process? Um, so normally, yeah, normally the I come last in the stage of uh, production for cutscenes. But um, so normally they come to me with a completed, or, or they call it locked, locked picture, which means they're not making any more timing changes. The shots in and of themselves may change or the effects might change, but the actual timing of the edit will not change, allegedly, right? So that's locked. And that's when I usually start my work. However, um, there, there are times when um, I provide them something to edit too. So there's times when I will provide the cinematics team a piece of music or a tempo track, which is maybe just me playing a piano to like a click um, or you know, maybe it's just a drum track or something that at least gives them the tempo and then they edit to that tempo. And once their edits are done, then I've you know, finished out the music, but nine times out of 10, it's them giving me the picture. One time out of 10, it's me giving them a piece of music that they can edit to. And usually it's super smooth. No problems. Yeah. Never, never. never. It's always, um, you know, it's like you said, everyone, it's a creative process and it's iterative. Is that the word? Yeah, iterative. Seems like I put an extra T in there, but maybe. I well, didn't. you can throw as many T's as you want because it's, it's after midnight. Oh yeah, it on is on the Game Devastation podcast. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. There are no sponsors okay. on this podcast yet. Um, yet. Yeah, so I mean, people, if if it's due in four weeks, they will take four weeks. Even though I need time to work on it too, um, they'll still edit for four weeks because it's not due yet. So when it's pencils down for them, what that means is like, well, can we pick it up just one more? No, but they do anyways. It's, it's rough, uh, but usually it's worth it. Yeah, ultimately it all comes together um, in one glorious, spectacular cutscene. So uh, this is the next. Oh, this is uh, Jeremy Eldridge. Just stoked that you're on the show here and we're talking. Um, Eric Hens 
actually. Uh, Eric Hens. Eric Hens posted this. Can Jeff's boxing prowess defeat your Krav Maga skills if you guys had to fight to the death? Do it live? Boom. Question mark? We've talked about this. We have. We we have. We kind of came to the conclusion we probably shouldn't fight to the death. That 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 was um, one of the things we we did discuss. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's kind of probably ridiculous how many times we've we've talked about fighting each other. Um, but the reality is, you have a, a long reach. Remember, we just we've discussed yeah. the the tail of the tape. Yeah. Uh, you're taller than I am, and you have a longer reach than I am. So, um, but I think I can deliver a little bit more powerful shots. Yeah. So you've got more meat on the arms. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. So I think, yeah. But you I have a little pro- more skill, and you have a little more like defense ways to keep kind of keep me. So I'd really have to, I'd have to make an effort to get on the inside, and then I could do some damage. But you, it would take a lot for me to get there because you have reach and you have a crazy amount of skill to keep me from getting. That'd inside. be my goal: is keep you away from me. Yeah, I would not. I don't. I don't want you on the inside because I like my ribs where they are. Yeah, but <laughs> not, if I if I were to able to somehow get in and sneak a punch. A body shot, you never know. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's also good. That's that's pretty much all the questions people What did Jeremy Elder say? Oh, he was just stoked that we... He was just stoked that you're on the, the podcast and we were talking to him. Well, dude, out. I'm stoked that he's stoked. I'm stoked to be here after midnight. After midnight. Oh, yes. <laughs> Creepy guy voice. It's going to stay. Nope. Perfect. Perfect. Perfectly weird. Um... Yeah, so that's it for the community questions. Uh, we had a we had a lot of likes and stuff. Sweet, thanks, community. Yeah, well, it was super last minute because most people are in bed. That's true. Most people, except for Kai Dreams, because oh, she, she just gave a, a like as well, thanks. and uh, thanks, she just gave a like because she's in the UK, yeah, so they're awake right now. They're not sleeping. They're not sleeping. Um, all right, so you make the musics. Right. Yep. The other thing that was kind of weird and w- which is which is interesting to me, MMOs are huge games. Yep. Massive multiplayer online games, right? Yeah, is that what it stands for? That's what MMO stands for. You're welcome for telling you that. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere uh, along the line I picked that up, I think. Ah, uh, good. Uh so they're huge. Yep. And normally what what composers do and uh even animators and and all sorts of different artists will find creative ways to reuse stuff that they have. Sure. You you did that in some regards, but you also just created themes for almost everybody in the game. I mean... Yeah, it was obscene, probably. It was obscene. And I, I think maybe that came from your background doing those those phone games and having to kind of come up with stuff so quickly. But, yeah, um, I mean, how many themes did you have in total for the Wild Stars? There's no... I, I don't know. I mean, every... I mean, you had one for the Osin, right? You had one for... Are we going to count them up? I, I'm fingers are out, buddy. All right, so Osin, right? Falcon, yep. Falcon, Protostar. Yep. If you're going NPCs, uh, yeah. Osin, Falcon, Protostar, Lop, Lop have their own theme. Yep. Um, there's the. Did Shiphand missions have their own theme? Shiphand missions have their own theme, and uh, then then every dungeon, right? Well, if you get and then you get into player race. So every player race has their own. Okay. Theme. So there's so that's was six, that six, no, seven, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think seven. And then every zone has its own theme. I've already lost count. Yeah, so, I mean, it just, it got obscene, and I think um, it was sort of, I, I dug my own grave, and but I was happy to dig it, and I was happy to lie in it. It became an overwhelming amount of work, but I think ultimately 
okay, first of all, this is the largest, Wildstar was the largest thing I had ever done in my life. Pirates of the Burning Sea was an MMO, but they, they, it was done so differently. First of all, I wasn't on staff. They basically just said, give us 60 minutes of music. We want a minute cue for this. And they broke it all out in a spreadsheet. And we didn't really have any input of like, oh, we'd love to do a theme for that guy or this battle. They were just like, here's what we need. Do this. And then they came back for another round. We'd like, oh, maybe some like 40 more minutes of this. And, um, and that was it. But Wildstar was so different in the fact that um, I got a lot of freedom to actually make the decisions of what we should do and what we shouldn't do musically. So um, I kind of thought, I, first of all, I love, I keep saying first of all, but it's like third it's like or fourth. 42 of all. Yeah. Of all. So um, I love thematic writing. I'm, I'm driven, as a composer, I'm driven by melodies. Um, I like texture and ambience a lot. Um, I think it serves a purpose. But I really think that Melody's strong thematic writing, I think, makes a big difference. It it creates a hook in our minds. So as we experience the game, um, we can use those themes to signify uh, foreshadowing. And, and it becomes a it becomes something that is more powerful than just texture, right? If we have a strong melody, that's why Star Wars works beautifully. Darth Vader doesn't even have to be on screen anywhere. If you hear his theme, you know it's about to go down or you know he's involved or something's not quite right. And it's great. So that idea of using thematic writing in a different amount of ways. So I wanted to make sure that every place we went to in the game felt good, that um, that there was going to be some emotional tie to it as the person playing the game and for me the best way to do that was writing themes and writing strong melodies that kind of helped tell those stories of different areas and different races and people and the the downside is that themes can become increasingly annoying if you hear row 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 your boat 40 times you may want to jump off a bridge but or Coldplay. nope that never gets old no nope, nope. i just Green eyes, I can listen to that like 60 times and never get old. I don't know that one. <laughs> okay. The Scientist even, right? Or a little Fix You. I can listen to Fix You over and over again. Fix me. Nobody <laughs> said it was easy. I just bumped my right? microphone. That's that, them, right? That's yeah, Coldplay. that's them. That's, that's about the last Coldplay that's I heard. That's The Scientist. Oh, is that The Scientist? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if well, you had a piano in here, I'd play this snot out of that piece right now well you know what that formula is boring <laughs> it's my scientific formula yeah yeah boring plus boring equals boring he's cold play um squared <laughs> i think they're great okay sure so uh what yeah. i was saying about row 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 your boat and cold play but listen what happens is if you have thematic writing it can it can turn against you um where it becomes like a grating annoying um factor in the game so I really didn't know which way it was going to go down. I kind of just went with my gut, and I figured if I can stand to listen to it over and over again in the game, then maybe we're okay. But it was finding a, a formula that worked pretty well. So I'd write a theme for a zone, and then follow it with, that would play in the, in the game, followed by some ambient music, followed by some more ambient music, followed by the theme again. It would kind of create a jukebox playlist that made sense and felt good 
and not too repetitive. Um, but it wasn't until we got into open beta where people started letting me know and giving me feedback that said, man, I can't get this out of my head or, um, you know, this theme, the far side theme, man, I loved every minute that it was there. And I started to feel like, okay, no, no one really is saying, um, man, why did you, why, why such strong thematic writing? I'm getting so annoyed or I'm getting furious that this is super annoying. I never really got any of that. It was really positive, which made me feel validated in the choice that we made to write so much music and make it um, thematic. I think well worth it because typically you run into that problems in, in MMOs where you are playing through something and you hear the same thing over and over yeah. and over again. It's, oh gosh, I don't need to hear this again. I'm just going to listen to my own music. And then you kind of turn Yeah, off. and the fact that you know people are have dug it enough to say to me that um, that people have said this is the first MMO that they leave the music on. I mean, that to me is like, I feel like I've won someone over to the, you know, to our side. To the dark side. Oh, this would be like the bright side, I think. To like, the bright side. Mr. Brightside. Nope. No, you're not a killer. I'm not a killer's fan either. Okay, that's no. cool. I know who they, I know that one, but. Yep. Don't like Brandon. Flowers. Flowers. Jenny yeah. was a friend of mine. Is that, a, is that's, that one of their songs? Yep, sure was. All right. Okay. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't play. Here's the thing. If you talk mid-90s crappy yeah. alternative, I'm your go-to guy. Oh, well, for sure. Uh, I was listening to, on my run today, I was listening to uh, Core by Stone Temple Pilots. Okay, Top sure. to bottom. I See, I would, ge- I would go even further. I would go... Like Eve Six. Oh yeah, you're, or Bare Naked Ladies. Don't you have a cover band? Or you were gonna put one? Together? Yeah, no. We we play occasionally where we play really crappy mid '90s alternative music, which is you would never expect from someone such as myself who loves death metal. No, I think it's a great thing because there's so much there, right? The oh, little. Uh, I'm not sick, but I'm not well. You know, Harvey Danger. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And what was the Bumblebee thing? Blind Melon. Yeah. All I can say is Dude. that my life is... See, why do I know all this? It's great. Useless. Useless yeah. no, information. No, it's fantastic. Anyway. Dude, it, we're veering out of control. Yes, let's get back on course. Or let's... How let, long does this go? No, you know what? I think this is the point. You just ruined my segue out of the show. Oh. <laughs> how, how long does this get? What are, are we done? <laughs> no, because I have a lot more to say. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you want to... Listen... Um, <laughs> I'll say this. My moment here, I can wrap it up. I don't have a lot. I, can, I mean, I have as much to say as people want to know. But um, I think <laughs> I'll still summarize it. Yeah. Um, the future is going to happen. Thank you, Jeff Gertnick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the future is so bright you got to wear shades. Oh no, that's you know who is that. That is, remember? Um, no, I don't. It's is it? It's not the dude from Dire Straits, was it? No, but they're actually from the Midwest. It might even be from Wisconsin, but uh, Timbuktu. Okay, my dad would would be upset that I didn't know that. What are you gonna do? Uh, anyway. Um, but so yeah, I'll just end by saying this. Um. <laughs> 
I'm not editing any of this, by the way. It's all staying on here. People have stopped listening by now. Yeah, by now. And then I can just talk forever. Um, But I think for me, um, you know, just kind of going back a little bit to that process, like um, there is, I have a strong need and compelling desire to, like I said before, express myself with music. And so... um, I spent a lot of time learning the language of music and trying to use it to tell stories or emotions or, you know, get across ideas. And it is a lot like learning a foreign language. And so um, for me, when I'm sitting down and I have this blank paper in front of me and I have a piano in front of me and I try to figure out where to start... um, it is a, it's sort of like sitting down and writing a speech and trying to figure out well, what are you going to say with the English language? Only I'm sitting down and going, what do I want to communicate with this language of music? And um, I know I get emails and stuff from a lot of composers or people who want to be composers for video games or in their own right. And um, there's a lot of questions about, you know, what do I do or how do I get started or do I need to take theory or do I need to do all this stuff and... I mean, everybody has a different trajectory and everyone's going to have different answers to those questions. There's no tried and true path. But I will say this um, to people that are that like writing music and that want to aspire to do more of it. Um, do everything you can to like learn the language of music and what that means to you. Um, so for me, I find composers that I love and... I just try to study and listen and and figure out how are they doing that? How are they hitting a chord there that makes me feel a certain way? And what is that chord? And so uh, you and I have talked about this a lot, but uh, just for everybody else listening, who are your favorite composers? um, Well, Alan Silvestri is definitely at the top of the the list. In fact, I just bought um, not very cheaply, but I just bought the actual score, not the actual score, but it is a, um, a reprint of the score from back to the future, which is, one of the most influential scores of my of my life. Um, so I I'm not, I get to sit there and now go through and look at the score the way it was meant to be, not like a wind ensemble arrangement of it for band or something like that. Like this is actually what was played on the stage when they recorded it for the movie. Um, so Alan Silvestri is a is a big deal for me. What he did with Beowulf and what he did with Van Helsing um, and. I mean, so many great things he's done, but um, those those some of those cues really stand out. Um, I also love Thomas Newman. When I heard Road to Perdition, I thought it was one of the greatest things I had heard at that time. Um, obviously, American Beauty was great. He won an Oscar, I think, for that, and um, he's brilliant. Finding Nemo was different. In fact, he, what he did with what Thomas Newman did with Skyfall. When I heard Thomas Newman was going to write the music for Skyfall, the James Bond movie, I thought, how is this going to work? Because I don't see him as being that kind of composer. And what he did was so great. I loved every minute of did it. Did he write the Adele song for that? I don't know if he did or if he if that was just Adele. But I don't know. Because it's like the only thing that she did that I like. <laughs> I don't know. He may have. I guess I don't know who wrote the Adele song. But um, yeah, I loved uh, Jerry Goldsmith. These are all film composers because I kind of grew up. That is sort of my world that like i love cinematic music um 
I didn't and play a you, whole lot of games you did growing something up. Something for was it Tim? What's his face? Tim, what's his face? Was a big. Uh, he's a great friend of mine. <laughs> uh, uh, no, Tim Burton? No, not Tim Burton. Because uh, he and I go. No, you did stuff for a composer. The um, this is really sad that I'm I'm drawing a blank on this guy. Hans name. Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Tim. It's super close to Hans. Yeah. Tim Zimmer. Tim Zimmer. Yeah. Tim Zimmer actually owns the taco stand, which is very close to where Hans Zimmer works. That's weird. Yeah. So you think that? <laughs> so Han, Hans Zimmer, you did some stuff for him, though, right? Uh, I mean, something like that. Yeah, I guess I, I moved to LA, and I was like, I didn't have a job. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get started, and um, uh, I got a job answering phones at his company, um, and it was good. It was actually like a really powerful insight into the industry um that guy whether you love him or hate him man he works his butt off Hans Zimmer does and um he knows how to tell a story with music now whether you agree with how he tells it or his choices um I think what he does I think he's a pretty brilliant storyteller when it comes to um music so I was really impressed and I was really my eyes were opened to a lot of things when I was kind of in that environment watching him work and um, again I'm just answering phones and sorting mail but just to be in that environment was pretty eye-opening I did get to do a couple things not writing but I did get to do um, I got to make some charts for him and some of the guys there Um, but uh, it was yeah it was really cool I I was a I, I feel very privileged to have just spent the two years that I did kind of as a fly on the wall in that environment in the movies that they were cranking out. When I got there, they were just finishing up um, Black Hawk Down. And I remember hearing the mixes coming out of the room and I was like, this is the coolest thing. You know, I mean, that score is powerful and there's some really cool moments in it. Um, and it was awesome. And so you get to hear that and you get to hear all kinds of other things that happen in there. And it was just fun being in that environment. I think he also did one of the Call of Duties. I think he did Call of Duty did. Uh, 3 or something yep. like that. And, or no, Modern Warfare 2, I think. Yeah, he, he did one of those. And um, there's there's kind of this crossover that's happening. Like a, a lot of film composers want to get into video games. A lot of video game composers would like to get into film. And I think people want to cross over. And the industry doesn't really you know, kind of bend that way. Um, they like to keep everyone in their own boxes. But once in a while, people will break out. Michael Giacchino, I think, started in video games. And then, be, you know, he now is in film with J.J. Abrams and people like Hans Zimmer will do film but then they'll cross over and do a video game and it can happen. Uh, Tyler Bates did God of War and he also does a bunch of films and so it, it can happen. Bear McCreary? Bear McCreary. Does a lot, a lot of uh, TV and stuff. You were Walking Dead and yep. Da Vinci's Demons. And... Dude, I don't know how he juggles so many shows. He probably has like five or six shows on TV at any given moment and he's um, he's great. He's I think he's a pretty prolific composer because he gets a lot of stuff done and um, he just does some really unique things. I think Jason Graves, the a video game composer, he did Dead Space and he did the reboot of Tomb Raider. Um, I think he does some really interesting stuff as well. He kind of builds instruments and uses instruments in different ways. And I kind of like that. Um, I like that sort of vibe. It's not something I do very well. I'm not the guy that's going to be banging on piano strings with hammers and nails and, and getting all kinds of funky stuff. I like some of that. Um, and maybe just the projects I've worked on have not lent themselves to that sort of creativity. But 
I do, I love that kind of getting sounds that you go, man, what is that that I'm hearing? And um, I think that's really cool stuff. Yeah, I think the the two music soundtracks for games that stick out in my head as like the big ones uh, that were really awesome were the Red Dead Redemption. Dude, that game was probably the first game where I could not wait to get home and play. You got lost in it. I was told I was, I was what's his face? I was John Marston. Yeah, I like I felt like. Well, yeah. that that music specifically was was stellar. Like it was they great. they did a fantastic job of making it feel kind of old west, but still kind of modern and yeah. still kind of. And it's pretty brilliant. Um, not to derail your second point that's about to come, but how they built it. If you've never seen or heard about what they did musically, everything was in the same key, in the I think A minor, in the exact same tempo, and it was just different layers. And so what they would do at any given moment in the game. You'd hear an ambient piece of music play because you're walking in the prairie. All of a sudden, you hop on your horse, and if you start getting chased by something or whatever, um, that would inform the audio engine to call a random piece of uh, maybe like medium threat music or whatever. And that could bring in a solo trumpet and a tambourine, and that adds on. And then if it got more intense, it added like a drum and a guitar or whatever. And they could, they could interchange these blocks of music um, based on the situation and i thought that is awesome because it's super interactive and they it's random because everything is in the same key in the same tempo so they can pull blocks from anywhere at any time and stack them on top of each other and it just made for a really cool effect and you don't get the same thing twice it's not like every time you get into a fight you hear the same music it, it's different layers that get randomly called i thought anyway i thought it was great yeah that's good stuff uh, and my second favorite, yep. Last of Us. Yeah, I, I haven't played it. Um, I know that guy is kind of a big deal. Um, the guy who wrote the music, and I, he's like Argentinian or Brazilian. I can't remember his name right now, which is embarrassing. But um, but it's also like one thirty in the morning, and there's been whiskey consumed. Whiskey. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I have not played Last of Us, but um, I hear it's fantastic. It's good. It's great music. Uh, I would implore you to check it out. Um, yeah, so awesome. And also, one of the things you were t- just talking about, the changes in mood um, due to gameplay. In Wildstar, they had, they had that as well. With the You would get into a fight with somebody, and each zone had its own combat music as well, as I recall. Yeah, so because I painted myself into a corner with having so many different... Um, themes and pieces of music for zones much later down the road I'm kind of against combat music in a way um, and I took a pretty hard stance against it in Wildstar initially and then I kind of softened up and people seem to really want and by people I mean people who like I didn't people who I didn't want to fire me basically Um, bosses and stuff yeah those people (laughs) Um, thought it might be important to have that as an option. And I'm like, okay, I can see that. Like, let's do it as an option. And then I realized, how in the world can I do this? Because it's not like I have six pieces of music to put combat layer to. I have hundreds of pieces of music. Um, There's no way to do this. So what I did was I went through every piece of music that I had written that was in a zone, and I found every key center, every scale that I used for the different pieces of music, and I grouped them up by scale or by key. Um, 
and then I wrote three to four pieces of combat music based on those keys. And it ended up being like 24 or 26 pieces of combat music. So then now what happens if you're in a zone and if you're fighting something that is at a much higher um, level than you are, a piece of combat music will kick in that is tied to the key center, the scale of the zone music that you're in. So it doesn't feel like a jarring transition. Um, but we also have com- some cool things where like if you if you time it right, right, if you're in all grok and the theme is playing um, and you're in the... Um, Heck is that town's name, man? Like the first Gallo. <laughs> yeah, let's say you're in Gallo. Right. Although I was thinking about the first one where you land, and it's like the mining town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I forgot. So Tremor Ridge. Tremor Ridge. There we is go. that still Tremor Ridge? Yeah, it's Tremor Ridge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really good at Wildstar, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good. Um, I think my character Brotsart, I think he's still on the Ark ship. Brotsart, yeah, good man. Brotsart is still on the Ark ship, which is embarrassing. Hmm. But so if you're in Tremor Ridge and you hear the um, you hear the theme, the Algrock theme start to play, and if you quickly not quickly, but if you while that theme is playing, if you run down into um, the Shard Valley area, I forget what it's called. You'll, the Loftite Fields. Yeah, the Loftite Fields. You're gonna hear. Um, that music transition on a point um it's actually three pieces of music are playing all at once but they're different layers or variations of the exact same piece of music but they're all running together all synced up and what it does is it crossfades between options a b and c based on where you are so if the theme is playing and you run down to the loft out fields you're going to hear a transition between a and b but it's a seamless transition so if the flute has the melody in tremor ridge and you walk down to the loft out fields then maybe like a clarinet takes the melody or something. and But it transitions real smoothly. And then if you keep walking into Gallo, then it becomes a much more wind, woodwind, plain, field-centric um, sort of variation. So that's really fun to do. I don't do that all the time, but it was something that when we could do it, it was kind of fun to make that magic happen. Because if you hit it at the right time, at the right spot, um, it's kind of a cool little Easter eggy thing for people to discover. And maybe no one notices, but I'm telling you right now, it's kind of cool. So you should go check it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it right now. You should do it right now. Game devastation after hours, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll All right, be right back with a word from our sponsor. No, there's no sponsor. Okay. All right. Still, still none. After we've been talking for a long time, no one's called in to sponsor the show. Yeah, there's no Collins. Nobody. <laughs> this is gonna be posted later. It's not live. But you can imagine if it was. But if it was, we'd be getting no phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, look, we're going to call it a day. Yeah, we should. Uh, because Or a night, because it's late. Yeah, it's or is it a day? So because it's in the morning. I'm super excited that you made time for me, so I appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming over and coming on to Dame Gavestation. Dame Gavestation. <laughs> Dame That's a different podcast. Uh, it is a different podcast, I'm sure. Um, you can edit that out. Nope, not doing it. I'm keeping it all in. <laughs> Dude, that's real. Uh, You're I keeping will, it real. Real is the only way we'll, I will yeah. keep it. Uh, Jeff Kernacker, thank you for coming on. Yeah, always a pleasure, Frost. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. Any any plugs that you got? I don't know. You, I mean, are you going to have links to like websites or anything? I'm not going to link anything. But what I will do what the heck, is, is allow you right now that's to be like, shocking. go here. <laughs> I think I'll spell it out. But basically, I have. if you're interested, I have a website, www.jeffkurtnacker.com. Um, if you don't know how to spell Kurt Nacker, 
I don't know. Just kill yourself. I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> uh, so go, go. You can go to jeffkurtnacker.com, and I have a little blog. I don't keep it as probably as I should. Bunch of music. Um, I have a YouTube channel where you can hear, you can watch it live. Um, not live. That'd be ridiculous. But you can watch footage of our recording sessions from the orchestra. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kurtnacker, Facebook. Jeff K Music, Facebook.com slash Jeff K Music. Um, I, yeah. If there's anything we didn't talk about and you want to know, please hit Tweet me up. Tweet Jeff. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's a lovely gentleman on the Twitter. Ah, Responds to stuff I when do. he can. You know? Huh? All right. Yeah, all right. Okay. That's it, man. I do appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for checking out the show. Uh, if you want to listen to more podcasts, you can check us out on iTunes or you can go to uh patreon.com backslash stefan frost or podbean.com backslash stefan frost i believe or just look game devastation frost on the google it's kind of weird because podbean was the name of uh, another band i was in no it wasn't don't you lie to me like that jeff (laughs) curtnacker hey guys we had shirts and everything no you didn't yeah guys thank you for checking out the show i'm gonna go listen to podbean jeff's old band adios guys Oh, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>